Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, a sincere thank you to all of our followers, both in the United States and internationally. Um, really appreciate uh, the confidence that you guys have in us in being um, individuals in the field where we can provide education and knowledge and uh, collective experience, both from an academic perspective and from a practical, hands-on clinical perspective. And we know the main premise of, of, of doing this, as I've said many times, is um, about the, the uh, destigmatizing, legitimizing mental health and really instilling uh, a sense of true hope, uh, independent of whatever psychiatric condition or conditions you or someone in your family or circle uh, or community is, is struggling with. Um, there's a vast uh, array of topics uh, that we have covered. There's uh, plenty more topics and uh, that we will cover. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed doing this. And um, I appreciate all the comments and the feedback. And if I haven't gotten back to you, um, I will just keep, uh, you know, keep texting me and, 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 and reaching out. Um, and I will do the best I can to get back to you. And it is truly a pleasure for the people who I've met so far from different parts of the world who have come for neuropsychy valves. And I uh, truly express my sincere um, gratitude. So, um, you know, what I've realized is we have such a uh, diverse audience of listeners, uh, many of which are just individuals who are fascinated by... by um, this field, uh, individuals who may be struggling with a psychiatric condition, individuals who uh, may be in a relationship with someone, um, professionals in the field. Uh, and I know there's a lot of students um, who use this program and take notes and learn from it. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. So I do my best uh you know, I've I've tried my best over the last uh, several weeks and months uh, to be more focused, and um, you know, I still go off on tangents and stuff like that. But it's really, um, you know, I get I, I guess I prepare more. So um, today's topic I want to focus on is something that is um, we're going to focus on nervous breakdowns. Uh, now, this is not a clinical term. Nowhere in the diagnostic manual will you come across this, but this is a pretty widely accepted uh, clinical phenomenon. And, uh, you know, everybody takes issue with terminology, and we have this ultra-sensitive society where, God forbid you say the wrong thing, you know, you're excommunicated from whatever group or whatnot. So, I mean, I think that the current terminology for a nervous breakdown is a mental health crisis. Um, but I'm going to stick with nervous breakdown because I think that's what um, mo most of us, most of us are, or most of us, re you know, um, kind of acknowledge what that is. And, you know, having a nervous breakdown is, is can be incredibly debilitating and scary, but it is not uncommon. 
you know, I, 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 I try to stay as current as I can in reading, you know, empirically based research articles. And um, 20% of the adult population in the United States is has a diagnosis of, of an anxiety disorder. That, that could be generalized anxiety disorder, uh, agoraphobia, OCD, um, social phobia or social anxiety disorder. And, uh, you know, you know, 18% of the population uh, is diagnosed with depression. And those are pretty high numbers. And I would think uh, after the pandemic, um, the those numbers are probably significantly uh Different and, and elevated from what you would see in, in, in the in the DSM. It lists what the prevalence rates are, um, but you know, the current DSM five uh, came out way before the pandemic. And I, I think if the the prevalence rates, um, from my perspective, just looking at uh, in in our own you know here in Massachusetts, the wait lists for people to get in with therapists or prescribers or even get in to see someone like me for a neuropsych eval um, are exponential, and it's a pretty universal phenomenon from having the privilege of of talking to people worldwide um, that the, that the access to uh, mental health services is incredibly scarce, and the access to good mental health services, I think, is even more scarce. So what exactly is a nervous breakdown? So it's really, um, a really it's kind of an, an unhealthy or extreme reaction of to feelings of like there's overwhelming stress that impact the emotions and ability to just cope. Um and it 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 it's it's not a breakdown in the sense of the person is is you know literally breaking and falling apart, but it's just it it's just when, you know you use the other term like just reaching the end of your rope. Um, and there's a you know wide range of symptoms that we'll talk about that are included in in um, experiencing uh, a nervous breakdown. So anybody, really anybody, with or without a mental health condition. Um, can experience nervous breakdown. An individual with a diagnosed mental health condition or a history of one is at an elevated risk for one more than the general population. But nervous nervous breakdowns uh, are and panic attacks are really separate conditions. And a distinguishing fact or, or, or feature, um, there's a lot of similarities, but panic attacks are shorter in duration. They generally last between 10, 20, maybe 30 minutes at most in duration and are the most common cause of emergency room visits because they mimic cardiac symptoms, um, shortness of breath, elevated blood pressure, um, feelings of you can get depersonalization and derealization, um, which are non-psychotic uh, feelings of just being a kind of like out of one's body. But that, that's a panic attack, whereas nervous breakdowns can last for, for, for months, um, weeks, months, possibly, you know, uh, I'd say maybe in, in, into a year or two, and it interferes with every aspect of an individual's life. Um, and that and panic attacks can can also be triggered by a nervous breakdown. So panic attacks and nervous breakdowns are two totally separate entities. Um, you know, and, and feelings of anxiety and, and, and depression are, are pretty common reactions in and of themselves to stress. Um, 
But when stress becomes unbearable, uh, the brain just cannot respond in a healthy way, which leads to a, um, a mental breakdown. And, you know, the, the, the sympathetic nervous system becomes overly activated. And, and you think of sympathizing, sympathetic with sympathizing, the brain and the, is sympathizing with the plight of the body and the body with that of the mind um, to try to preserve, uh, because we're designed to really do two things. One, procreate and survive. So anxiety can be debilitating, but it is also a necessary survival skill. Um, a lot of times there's an underlying um, issue with like depression or anxiety. Uh, and that's, you know, like I said, where it's not a formal diagnosis, it, it's one I think that a lot of people... Um, can relate to it's it's a much longer um duration of time than a simple panic attack and then really the, the hallmark um I, I jotted these down like the hallmark symptoms of a nervous breakdown is extreme stress that leads to a mental and emotional breakdown okay and so the emotional state can lead to such things as depression or sadness now that may be Clinical depression, where you're meeting the diagnostic criteria for major depressive disorder. Um, it could be um, uh, excessive anxiety, you know, extreme anxiety disproportionate to what may be going on in the individual's life. Uh, excessive worry that interferes with ever with with your daily responsibilities uh something you can maybe consider like anticipatory anxiety um hallucinations can also occur uh the, you know hallucinations are not relegated always to the psychotic disorders they can even happen in borderline personality disorder uh and under times of extreme distress people can experience perceptual disturbances seeing things hearing things but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are psychotic uh Another one is like an inability to manage just normally easy tasks, like maybe like taking a shower, uh, cooking breakfast or lunch or dinner, driving a car, a feeling of, a, of being completely incapacitated. And that's why, you know, nervous breakdown is, uh, or mental breakdown, if you look at it from that, you know, that perspective is really just the a breakdown of the body's inability to cope. Um, increased irritability, impatience, agitation. There could be anger. People could, uh, you know, throw things, uh, yell, scream. It could lead to marital discord. It could lead to family conflicts. Um, intrusive thoughts. Uh, we hear this term a lot, intrusive thoughts. Um, these are, again, non-psychotic thoughts, which is, it's like this this record that that keeps playing, and you, no matter what room you go to, you can't get away from that sound, and that sound almost becomes uh, something that may have been pleasurable in the past, can almost seem like fingernails on a chalkboard. Um, mood swings, uh, not necessarily bipolarity, but mood swings in just terms of, you know, being, you know, going from happy crying to laughing to joking to anger um and again mood swings is not bipolarity bipolarity is really distinguished by the transition into an alternative mood state now based upon the diathesis stress model which i've mentioned in other episodes which is the interaction between biology and physiology and the environment you know nervous breakdowns can 
can basically mutate a dormant gene and turn something on, such as there may be a gene for bipolar. There may be a gene for schizophrenia. There may be a gene for severe depression or, or, or OCD. Um, you can't negate the science uh, of, of, of psychology and psychiatry. And, you know, stress is such a common term and it manifests itself in so many different ways and is idiosyncratic to all of us. What stresses me out may not stress Julie out. What stresses her out may not stress me out. What stresses you out, may, you know, so, so it, it's a really it's a you know it's it's a huge topic but it it's one that you know i think is pervasive and something that i think cr- crosses all psychiatric conditions uh, where stress can definitely um exacerbate symptomatology uh social withdrawal sometimes happens during a nervous breakdown uh person starts you know they they may need to go like an fmla like there'll be like a family medical leave of absence from work they may need to take a leave of absence from school they may need they they may stop go- showing up to work they may um you know refuse to go to social gatherings uh just avoid people altogether uh thoughts of suicide and self harm uh these are things that can happen during a, a nervous breakdown where a person is feeling completely out of control and all adaptive coping mechanisms uh are a million miles away and even if they were there in the beginning they're nowhere near accessible um during the you know in the in, in the in the throes of somebody having a nervous breakdown and sometimes it does re- it does end up in a person being psychiatrically hospitalized for the safety of themselves or safety of other people um, and also difficulty making decisions so just think about just in general whether you're having a nervous breakdown or not in times of stress uh, in times of increased anxiety in times of increased um depression uh, you're not going to make good decisions and this is why i i i, I stress um always getting a neuropsych eval because one of the things just as an aside is i can't tell you the number of people who who think they have adhd and are put on a stimulant who really don't have adhd it's many times it's their depression uh, their anxiety, those mimic ADHD symptoms all the time. And I tell people, I'm not discounting the fact that you have difficulty paying attention or have a hard time making decisions. I'm simply saying it's not coming from something neurodevelopmental like a diagnosis of ADHD of any one of the three types. So, you know, again, please get a neuropsych eval to really delineate what this is. Um, but during like during a nervous breakdown, like feelings of fear, that, that turns into terror. Um, sadness turns into hopelessness. Um, and anger turns into rage and, and fury. Those are the, you know, um, you know, those are the extreme ends. So if you're, if, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, in the midst of a nervous breakdown, you're, you're, you're experiencing terror. You're experiencing hopelessness and, and, and rage and fury. And hopelessness is the best predictor of suicidality. Uh, so anybody who says that they're hopeless, that is a, uh, that is a, you know, red flag and please exercise caution. If you are working with individuals at at a professional level and they, they talk about being hopeless, uh, that you come up with, you know, really assess that thoroughly and, um, always, always, always err on the side of caution. 
so a lot of physical symptoms also happen during pen, uh, during nervous breakdowns um, because the body is going through, you know, it's, it, it, again, we're designed to survive. So during this episode of a nervous breakdown, we're, we're, we're trying to, the body's trying to survive this extreme emotional turmoil and really like all this, all the straps are off or that's like the, if it, you get a boiling pot, you know, several on your stove and you take the lid off of all of them, the, you know, the vent can only suck up so much stuff, but these, these pots are just steaming okay uh so you know physical symptoms could be you know just aches and pains uh you know throughout throughout the body uh appetite changes uh increase in appetite decrease in appetite restriction uh if there was a uh you know, previous history of an eating disorder that could certainly, someone can certainly relapse back into that because eating disorders are about control. And during a nervous breakdown, a person is completely out of control. And if I can control what goes in my mouth or what does not go in, in my mouth, that is, you know, not the most adaptive coping mechanism, but it is, uh, it is actually ironically a coping mechanism. Uh, digestive problems, acid reflux, irritable bowel syndrome, um, fatigue, low energy, uh, just, I mean, it could be as, as, as the sympathetic nervous system is constantly trying to keep the body alive. You know, you're, the, the amount of energy that's being expended is, is exponential and much, you know, think about if you've had a panic attack, you know, the heart is racing. It, it's, it's sending, you know, uh, you know, they're sending blood flow to, you know, the vital organs that are designed to keep a person out, you know, uh, help a person survive what they perceive as being a dangerous situation. Headaches are very common. Um, you know, blurred vision is common. Um, insomnia. Uh, insomnia is, is very common because if you're in a perpetual state of worry, it's pretty hard to relax. And again, being that it's a nervous breakdown, um, it's really, it, it, and you know, as I'm, as I'm, you know, talking about this and looking at my notes, I'm realizing, you know, this, this actually does sound more like a, a disorder that should possibly be included in the DSM because, you know, whereas like a panic attack is a disorder, but and that's lasting, you know, 10, uh, maybe 30 minutes at the most, even though people experience it, think it's hap is lasting for eternity. Uh, nervous breakdowns have a much more prolonged period of time, um, you know, weeks to months to maybe, maybe a year. And, you know, reduced physical activity is another one, what we would call like psychomotor uh, retardation, just kind of a, a, a whole slowing down. Um, so, you know, what, what, what causes a nervous breakdown? It's, it's, it's a variety of things. Um, everyone is unique in, in how they cope and process stress in their lives. Uh, but a nervous system breakdown can be caused by anything that, that, that triggers feelings of excessive stress and overwhelms the individual to a point where they are unable to function normally. So to say that, you know, there, these are the only five things that would cause nervous breakdown is is completely false and erroneous. But I, there are there are several that have been identified as being primary ones that could that could tri uh, uh, contribute to a nervous breakdown. First one, financial problems. Um, that you know, especially if you're providing for a family and you get laid off from your job and are unable to pay your bills and you have tuition to pay and you have, uh, you know, rent or you have, um, 
you know, whatever financial responsibilities, you know, a car payments, stuff like that. I mean, that could definitely be a significant, um, significant stressor to, to you know, as, as a as a precipitating factor for a nervous breakdown. Um, as I said earlier, genetic, genetic predisposition to anxiety and and depression. That's that's again that's that diathesis stress model. And you know we can do the best we can to identify our, our our individual stressors, which I think is a good exercise because again, what stresses one person out may not stress another person's out. Same thing as it relates to trauma. Two people can experience the same thing but have two very different reactions. So the actions. And, and the or the experiences in and of themselves can be labeled as being traumatic, but it's really the individual's perception and how they interpret what, whatever has transpired, uh, whether they consider that to have you know be tra- be traumatic. And trauma does not equal PTSD. All right, get yourself back on track. Uh, like I said, history of an, a history of anxiety or depressive disorder, uh, major life changes, uh, getting married, having your first child, uh, losing a loved one, um, losing a job, moving to another state, you know, major life changes. Uh, those are things that could definitely put somebody, you know, at an increased risk for nervous breakdown. Uh, serious medical problems uh, and medical problems in the sense of you just feeling like, you know, I'm not getting the answers I'm looking for, or I go to this doctor and I get this prognosis and I go to this one, I get this prognosis. Um, so it, it, again, it, it's not necessarily the medical condition in and of itself, but the individual's perceived reaction to their ability to cope with that. Uh, tragedy. Tragedy can certainly exacerbate or, or, uh, cause a mental breakdown um you know if you look at just what's going on in the world watching people get shot and killed and beheaded and raped and all whatever's going on in the middle east uh can certainly trigger um, a nervous breakdown um stress at work is a huge one uh stress at home and uh it's something that i think you know is I mean, I'm very grateful and fortunate as, as much as I work, um, I never feel like I'm working. And I'm very blessed that I, I do what I love and I love what I do, that I don't get stressed at work. I think I get stressed to look at the pile of all the evals I have to write, but I get them done. Uh, but, you know, stress at work uh, and at home, you know, on, on, a, on a consistent basis, especially if it's going to disrupt your sleep, and you know, uh, cause it could cause you know arguing in in couples. It can cause maybe poor performance at work. Um, it, it so it really leads to you know what 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 do you do about it? How do how do you how do you treat a nervous breakdown? And, and that's really getting you know talking to a mental health professional, and getting into therapy. Um, you know, and, and, and try to really find, you know, what is the root cause or the root cause of the breakdown? And I hate this term and I've used it before. It, I wish we had a better term. It's triggers. X always causes Y with the exception of certain neurological conditions like frontal temporal neurocognitive disorder, um, or septal rage, uh, the vast majority of problems you, we can link to X causes Y. And in the midst of a nervous breakdown, in the midst of all of this, this, this emotional chaos, uh, a person is not in a space to really be able to determine what it is. It's really something that, you know, after they come out of it, hopefully better, you know, well-adjusted and safely, um, 
you really kind of want to, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is consistently proven to be the most effective therapeutic technique for the treatment of all psychiatric conditions. Um, and it's really designed to help people recognize, you know, um, negative and unrealistic thoughts and change their thinking. You know, the one of the episodes I did was on the rational beliefs and, and, and Robert Leahy, uh, a, a great cognitive behavioral uh, psychologist, you know, kind of listed out, you know, 17 of the most cognitive, most common cognitive distortions or rational beliefs. And Aaron Beck talked about this. Uh, and these are the things that kind of distort our thinking. Um, so I'm not going to go over those again, but we did do an episode on that. Other things that are helpful, uh, lifestyle changes. Uh, take time to see what kind of drove you to get to that place of a mental breakdown during your last episode. Um, simple simple th- th- techniques like exercising, scheduling time for yourselves is a great step in improving mental health. And, and I've told people, uh, again, as you know, I don't do much therapy anymore, but I primarily treat borderline personality. But in, in, in doing psychotherapy, I tell people you have to, if you're going through this process, you have to be willing to be selfish and not selfish to the point where you, you negate your responsibilities or become irresponsible, but say, you know what, I matter. Because if I'm not well, the people in my life are not going to be well. And or my job is not going to be well. Because it's it's important to take time for yourself and you have a right to do that. You have a right to say, I'm gonna put myself first. And you know, for that that could be taking a walk, that could be exercising, that could be you know, maybe sometimes doing retail therapy if you can afford it. But you take time for yourself. You know, there's things that you can do to prevent, um, you know, recurrence of nervous breakdowns. Uh, psychiatric medications, um, medications for uh, depression, med- uh, anxiolytics for anxiety, medications for sleep. Those are an option. Uh, but the mis- you know, the, the point with, with, with psychotropic medications is they don't eliminate the stressors. They just make you more able to, to, I always liken them to like emotional cartilage. It, it's going to give you a little more, um, increase your distress tolerance. Um, but, you know, you want to talk to, you know, a psychiatric prescriber, you want to talk to your primary care doctor, uh, you know, someone in the, in, 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 in the psychiatric, you know, realm of, of, of prescribing uh, to maybe give you, you know, a, you know, there's no, there's no shame in, in, in medication. I think sometimes people equate, t- you know, sick people take meds. Uh, not necessarily true. Um, and it's important how you, you, you define yourself and you define a psychological condition is like, for example, like, uh, I have, uh, high blood pressure. I, I, I take a medication. It's something I have. It's not something I am. Same thing with psychiatric medications. And I, I know this is something that, uh, you know, Julie confronts on, on a regular basis, you know, with, with depression and anxiety uh, and, you know, especially with, you know, insomnia being a very common, you know, pathway or, or common uh, physical symptom of a nervous breakdown. Uh, but you want to be careful. You don't want to go on the route of, you know, getting addicted, or, you know, to, you know, Doxepin or, or Ambien or, or Valium or, um, you know, over reliance on benzodiazepines like Xanax and Clonopin and Valium and 
Um, and that, that's kind of like our culture has that, our, that mindset, at least the Western culture, is we want a quick fix for a lot of things. And yes, do these medications work? But um, again, they don't, they don't solve the problems. Um, rest, de-stressing, uh, you know, and mental exhaustion is really the key feature of, of a nervous breakdown. It, it really is just mental exhaustion of saying, I just can't do it anymore. And, and, and the body responds in kind. And, and, it, and again, it goes to those extreme emotions. Uh, like I said, from, from sadness to hopelessness, from anger to rage and fury. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really, you know, I think it, I think it does warrant, um, you know, consideration for an actual condition, whether they use the term mental breakdown or nervous breakdown, because I do, I do think it is a constellation of symptoms that, that we don't really have a diagnosis for this. Um, it doesn't really fit into generalized anxiety disorder. It really doesn't fit into a depressive disorder. It doesn't fit into really like a bipolar disorder. It doesn't fit into a psychotic disorder. So I think, you know, uh, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, I think the first DSM came out in 1954. Um, we have a lot of work to do in terms of, you know, identifying additional conditions. And, you know, um, it's frustrating, you know, people who like dismiss the DSM because, oh, we like to label. We're like, well, you know what? Tough. You need to, you need, you need the label so you know what you're treating. That you know, it 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 gets a little ridiculous because we have a manual, we have a diagnostic criteria, we have a set, we have tools, we have tests. That's what I do every day. I, I I'm telling you this, not making this out of my head. I I do this and I see this on a day to day basis. This is this 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 is real, and you know, mental exhaustion and I think is is even. You know, uh, I think there's a, there's a transition, you know, just going on with, you know, the post-pandemic about, you know, everybody's working from home to now going back to work and, and having to modify lifestyles um, and kids who are homeschooled. And there's a lot of changes going on. And all of these things, and there's, there's no age range that this is, you know, no one is immune to this. Um well, Julie's here. She kind of hovers around. I can tell I'm when not, she... I'm not sitting. I'm just leaning. You sit. No, no, you sit. Hi. I guess I was just overhearing part of this. And um, I I think with uh, nervous breakdown, it's kind of like, I think in the 50s, um, you know, the, they came up with like um, barbiturates and... Uh, and after that, benzoda- benzodiazepines for, um, they used to call it mama, mommy's little helper. Um, and I think that that was just kind of like, uh, like a pharmaceutical um, kind of, I don't know, it's just like a, a, a pharmaceutical, uh, I don't know how to put it, but um, I think it was initiated by pharmaceuticals. But of course, it came from you know, women getting stressed out. And I don't want to say it's just women. Um, certainly not. Um, but, you know, I feel like when someone describes a nervous breakdown, it's almost like when the walls come tumbling down and it's a very disorienting feeling and condition where it almost feels like it's raining and it's kind of all around where it's, it's affecting every aspect of your life or, or it, or it um, ripples into other aspects of your life. Sometimes people can catastrophize. And I mean, that is a real thing. Sometimes like, you know, remember the story about Chicken Little, you know, an acorn fell on his head and he ran around the town telling everyone in town that the sky was falling. 
I think for for myself and for people that I know in my my social life and and also my work life, um, certainly you know if you're in a certain mood state and something does happen, that acorn hits your head and it feels like it's it's the walls are tumbling down and and it's a scary overwhelming feeling and that's why it's always good to get into therapy. Um, sometimes it's hard to find a therapist, but I always say. You know, people really wind up in therapy when they, you know, if they're self-evolved and they really want to work on themselves and they're educated about what therapy is about. But they also, at the same time, there are people who, um, you know, just really wait till there's a crisis and, and that's no fault of their own. But what I always tell my clients is, listen, I know you're not in crisis right now. But at least establish a relationship, a therapeutic relationship and rapport with a therapist before there is a crisis, because it's very difficult to go into an initial uh, meeting with a therapist, because usually it takes uh, two or three meetings before you get through all of the basic stuff, meaning general history and uh, paperwork and all that. And I know that from personal experience um, on both ends, having been in therapy and also being a therapist. So it's always nice to have that rapport and then have and back off from it. So if you have and, and if you do therapy, you know, and you're doing well, then talk to your therapist about maybe backing backing off. Like I have people who are just on on vacations from therapy and um, they leave it that way with their therapist. And it's like, we'll pick up if something comes up, like they're doing that well. Um, but right on like the precipice of a breakdown. And I don't really, I, I guess I do agree with Corey that it should be in the DSM four, although it seems like it's not really a clinical term, but I've seen it firsthand. Um, I've certainly experienced it partially firsthand. Um, and I know what it's like to catastrophize. And I know what it's like to have an acorn fall on my head and me thinking and that I think that the sky's falling. And everybody's on a journey. And I know the journey thing seems like kind of lame, but everybody's on their own journey. And, um, you know, you have to do what's right for you. But it really does help if you have somebody just there that you know is there on a regular basis for when the shit storm comes, excuse my French. Um, and partly also what nervous breakdowns are, um, comprised of too, is when the bot and we all learn this too. And I, I even, I can't even stand saying the word pandemic anymore. Um, but you know, we, I think we all felt kind of like after the pandemic and how we were all like isolated and then drinking and like all the, all the, you know, the coping mechanisms that we used, and not working out and all that. So, and then, you know, your body inevitably will tell you F you. And I won't say that, but I think we all know what that means. Um, if, if you're like going full throttle in survival mode, it's only a matter of time before you crash, unless you're lucky enough to get help or you're strong enough to pull yourself out of it by your bootstraps. But um, nobody should feel like they're alone. Um, as a provider, I don't ever feel like I'm alone. I have colleagues and I have a strong support system. I have my husband, obviously. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is real and, um, and it's more common than you think. And I think that's the part of the stigmatism that we're trying to fight here on this podcast is the fact that, you know, 
you're not alone. You have no idea how many people experience this. And I think the world is changing a little bit. I can't say in other countries or on other continents, but I do feel like psych awareness is coming along. Mental health issues are people are really coming forth, talking about it, you know, very public figures, influencers, uh, very, very successful people are coming out talking about, you know, I've had, I've had bipolar and, you know, if you have bipolar disorder and you have bipolar one disorder, you know, the nervous breakdowns are kind of part of that process. So, um, that's really just all I wanted to say, um, that, you know, people don't often feel comfortable talking about their own distress and the fact, because, you know, our society says, if you have these problems in your week, um, or you're not a fit person, um, it's just like if, what, what, if you have high blood pressure, you're not going to take high blood pressure medicine or change your diet. Uh, or if you had diabetes, same thing. Um, you know, it's like, it should be treated the same way, not with the same medications or protocols, but it certainly is a psychological, um, there's just psychological bondage about not talking about it. And, um, especially in the current climate, um, people are falling apart. And it doesn't matter what side you're on, um, you know, and I want to also reiterate this because we've had some people making comments. Um, we believe wholeheartedly in the safety and the peace for all people. That means Palestinians and Gazans as well as Isra Israelis. So it, when we said that we stand for, with Israel is because of what happened on October the 7th. Um, we love humanity that's why we're in our in our jobs and um we believe in peace um i believe in love versus hate um and kindness and that's you know tom hanks just did a great little tiktok thing where he's just like secret to life be kind be kind and be kind that was pretty much all he said and i i i support that um, as long as you're not getting taken advantage of and you're in a dangerous spot. I have to also say that, too. So thank you for uh, looking at the, our Instagram. Please, please see our posts about the the horses, the wild horses. Time is running out. And I've given everybody directions on very simple. You don't even have to donate any money. It's not about that. If you could just email Biden, email senators, email call people at the BLM. They don't answer their phones. I've already called them several times. So you just leave a message and the word is really getting out. Um, and definitely watch Wild Beauty. Um, it's it's nominated for an Oscar. Ashley Avis produced it and um, wrote it with her husband, uh, Richard Avis. So it's pretty remarkable. And, and it's free. You can get it on any platform. Thank you. God bless you. I'll talk to you next week. And happy Thanksgiving to those of you who celebrate. Well, thank you, Julie. Uh, so back to nervous breakdowns. Uh, they are real. They are debilitating. And I think Julie brought up a good point. They can, you know, co-occur uh, in the midst of many psychiatric conditions in and of themselves. But, you know... Uh, Healing from a nervous breakdown, it, it, there's no definitive time uh, how long it will take. Um, 
but you know it, it depends on the seriousness of it uh the types of supports definitely get into therapy uh embed yourself with a um uh, a support group if you can whether that's your friends your family um but you know in humans we're we're, we're social creatures we're hardwired to be socially connected to each other. Um, and there's no prize in going it alone. Um, that, 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 that's pride. But there's no prize in saying, I, I overcame this on my own. And uh, that if you go to therapy, you're weak. And uh, there are people that still maintain that therapy, that they have mindset. Um, even if they're taking medic, you know, psychiatric medications, that you're weak, you're not weak. People are incredibly resilient. And much stronger than I think we all give ourselves credit for. But we are incredibly hard on ourselves. The world is a difficult place. Uh, God gives us the grace for today. We do not have the grace for tomorrow. That's important to remember. Um, but, you know, is, is, you know keep, keep yourselves in a place of self-importance. And that does not equate with being egotistical, but that... You are important. You have a right to be well. You have a right to take care of yourself. Um, and it's it's scary out there. And we do the best we can with what we have. Um, but uh, please don't give up hope. Uh, I know that I'm much more clinical and and, and uh, than Julia sometimes. But I, I I try to present the reality of of what things are, and I think it's a good balance between between the two of us so hopefully uh, you know you guys continue to follow us and uh, much appreciation for everything so it is Thanksgiving here in uh, the United States this week and my sincere gratitude is um, be thankful um, for the things that we have um, be, be thankful sometimes for closed doors um and be thankful for the people in your lives um and it's that time of year that uh you know i don't know why we we need these holidays sometimes i guess to help us reorient um but i i did i did see that thing for with tom hanks and i i agree um be kind is um really the axiom and the in the in the in the model that i think if we could figure out how to make that a part of um I guess, our, our society in general. So until next time, uh, feel free to reach out to me through psychologyunpluggedoutlook.com. You can contact me directly at uh, through Psychology Today. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at psychology un, underscore unplugged underscore. Um, you can even contact me directly at 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time in the United States. Until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, be well, uh, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks.